This week in KMA Lash and school board acts on COVID vaccine mandates. Page County looks at county safety plan. Mills County holds off on COVID vaccine policy. New Year begins with winter blast and Page County Comp Board sets salaries. I'm Mike Peterson. OKMA land began 2022 much like it did 2021 in the grasp of the deadly health threat known as COVID-19. And as case numbers and hospitalizations continue to climb, so does the angst over federal COVID vaccine mandates for entities with more than 100 employees. More discussion over the mandates took place at area school board and boards of supervisors meetings this week. Following a special meeting late Tuesday afternoon, the Shenandoah School Board, by a 4-1 to vote, approved a resolution implementing emergency temporary board policies for vaccinations as required by the Occupational Safety and Health Administration. Board members also unanimously approved an additional resolution stating the policies are pending a U.S. Supreme Court ruling on OSHA's vaccine mandates. Back in December, the U.S. Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals reinstated the mandate struck down by a lower court a month earlier. Shenandoah School Superintendent Dr. Kerry Nelson told the board the district, like other employers, faced Monday's deadline to implement the vaccine policies, regardless of the high court's hearing on the matter. It's not anticipated that they will take action and rule one way or another, but it is possible and anticipated that a stay may be issued again that would go back and reverse the action of the the Sixth Circuit. In the event that does not happen on Monday the 10th, today's fourth, so within six days, OSHA will be within their right to enforce these policies. So we have to take action at some point to make a decision as to what we're going to do. Nelson says the policies are implemented on a voluntary basis following a special board meeting in November. Since then, she says staff compliance has been good. One factor is that many of them have been vaccinated at work, so it's very easy to record, yes, you've been vaccinated. We also have others, on a second note, that have voluntarily turned in their information. And we've also said these are the anticipated waivers. You're welcome to complete them now if you already know your decision. You know, we can already start this process, but none of this is required today. However, Nelson adds 40% of the staff have yet to submit vaccination information, awaiting a decision from the board or the Supreme Court. Nelson faced a barrage of questions from board members regarding OSHA's requirements, such as possible fines imposed for failure to comply. Fines for direct serious violations total more than $13,000, while willful resistance by Nelson or the board would cost more than $136,500. Then there was the question as to who would decide on medical or religious exemptions. The superintendent says she has accepted that responsibility and has approved all but one exemption. One other question involved whether staff members must pay for testing. According to all of this, it says it's at the employee cost, correct? That's correct. So if it's at the employee cost, if they can access a free test, they can submit that to Test Iowa and get a result and turn it in within seven days. My current intent is to accept that. Board member Jeff Heiser cast the lone dissenting vote calling OSHA's standards an unfunded mandate. While saying he's also against the mandates, board member Benny Rogers says the district's been put into position and a decision had to be made. Despite casting a similar vote in favor, board member Clint Wooten expressed concerns over the impact on staff members. Everybody in this room knows that every person cannot be put in the same box. And with saying that, if you're vaccinated or not, that's your choice. But we can't put a financial strain on those people that don't want to be vaccinated 
So I guess the testing is where I'm, I'm having trouble with it. Because we all know our teachers should make more money anyway, and now you want to shove that at them? While saying she agrees that vaccine mandates are not right, Board President Jean Fichter says she understands the position the school district is in and that it can't take the risk of being fined. Board member Adam Vanderfleet agreed, saying no action would have been too risky. Page County officials, meanwhile, explored revamping the county's safety department as an important deadline for COVID vaccination compliance approached. Meeting Monday morning, the board held a discussion on adding an additional employee to handle safety compliance, as well as other human resources duties, or adding the responsibilities to each department head. Currently, the county has a contract with an outside consultant to oversee safety issues. Last week, the supervisors approved a policy to comply with an OSHA mandate that requires all employees to be vaccinated or provide a weekly negative test. The board also approved the purchase of a software program to manage tracking of the testing and vaccination statutes. Supervisor Chuck Morris says the board needs to ensure that every department is compliant with the mandate. Everybody's going to be inconvenienced. Each department head, each uh, employee, it's going to be uh, not fun. But we're, the collection of data, there has to be a central point. So the software that we approved last week would, would be uh, managed, I believe, by the auditor's office. And then uh, we're going to have to have a lot of input from department heads to make sure that that data gets there and gets recorded. Supervisor Jacob Holmes says the county is right near the 100 mark, which includes seasonal and part-time employees. I'm guessing that somebody working less than two weeks a year you know, 40, 50, 70, 60, Morris says the supervisors cannot tell other departments how many employees they have. Our board really the only authority we have is to fund Operationally, if uh, conservation or the sheriff department, they want to put 10 deputies on or 10 reserves on, that's theirs. You know, until they get to a point where they're contrary to, to the living inside a budget, and then I guess our, our thing is we'll cut the budget. But operationally, that's beyond our scope of authority. Following discussion, the board tabled the issue, saying they need more information on how other counties are handling reporting compliance. Another lengthy discussion over COVID vaccine mandates took place at Tuesday's Mills County Board of Supervisors meeting. Supervisors Chair Richard Crouch provided KMA News with the board's reasoning to formally establish a potential policy. To approve in good faith pursuant to a federal government mandate the OSHA COVID-19 vaccination testing and face covering policy enforcement contingent on Supreme Court ruling. However, Crouch says those in favor of the regulations at the meeting Tuesday were hard to come by and many expressed concerns over the federal agency telling counties how to take care of their own people. One lady says, uh, why can't we take care of our own people? You know, why Why do we have to be uh, uh told or pushed into a corner to take care of our people. You know, uh, that, that was one of the big issues is why are we being pushed into this? Crouch says he and the board hope the regulation isn't even something they need to worry about after this week. The Supreme Court's ruling on the case had not been issued as of this recording of this week's program. 
Kenya Mainland also began 2022 with the year's first winter weather event, a storm that failed to live up to the hype as far as snowfall amounts are concerned, but still packed plenty of wallop, and area snow plows were busy just the same. Fremont County secondary road crews battled snow and ice over a three-day period. County engineer Dan Davis tells KMA News activities actually began last Friday evening when freezing fog left an ice coating on some county pavement. The seal coats are the worst. They're so thin and everything that the fog, the temperature of the pavement there because they're so thin gets cold pretty fast and we kind of get ice developing from just that fog. And so we did go out Friday evening and, you know, get some material down on that. While personnel returned to the county shop at 8 last Saturday morning, Davis says crews waited to see how much snow the storm actually produced before venturing out again. He says snowfall was less than originally projected. We're in a dry area is what I understood, and the snow was melting and not reaching the ground like they thought it would. But then the wind was picking up, and we started getting enough, and they went out and plowed, I think, until about 5 o'clock, and then went back again Sunday for a few hours and got some drifts knocked down again and, and some material down. Likewise, Shenandoah City plows were out in full force on New Year's weekend. Shenandoah City Administrator A.J. Lyman. The challenging part was all the wind, you know, and it, I, you know, I think we, we dodged a bullet not getting as much snow as was originally forecast, but I think when it, it came in kind of slow, uh, slower than expected at least, and with the wind blowing it all over the place kind of gave the guys a break. Uh, I know they went out and sanded it where they could, and then they came back and pushed snow. But, um, you know, yeah, it's always good to, to get the get the first one out of the way without it being too major. In addition to snow removal efforts, crews still face the continuing cleanup from the December 15th derecho as piles of tree limbs remain on certain city streets. Discussion regarding salaries for elected officials took place at this week's Page County Compensation Board meeting. During a meeting Tuesday afternoon at the courthouse, the comp board, consisting of two citizen representatives of the supervisors and one each from the auditor, recorder, treasurer, attorney, and sheriff, voted to recommend an 18% increase in salary for the sheriff, 7% each for the auditor and attorney, and 6% for the other elected officials in the county. The recommendation comes after the sheriff's representative asked the board for a 40% increase. At the start of the board's meeting, Supervisor's Chair Alan Armstrong cautioned the board against giving such a large increase to one department for fear of what it could do to the rest of the county's budget. That could increase because all the deputies are affected and everybody else. It could affect us as much as $411,000 in additional payroll, which I'm not sure how... Jacob and Chuck would feel, but I'd very be concerned what we can do with that much money coming out of our pockets as the board. You know, would we have to make cuts on payroll? Would we have to make cut personnel, cut everybody else's? I mean, it gets very, very complicated. The large request for an increase in the Sheriff's Department came following the passage of the Back the Blue Act last summer which says sheriff salaries can be comparable to police chiefs in cities with similar populations as the county. Sheriff Lyle Palmer was asked if the rest of his staff will get a similar raise to him. He says he only controls the salaries for deputies, not for jailers, dispatchers, or administrative staff. In the past, the supervisors have decided that that is not possible, and they give them whatever everybody else gives. And under this law, I would have liked to have seen it also where obviously our legislators and our governor put this in writing of a shall set, not shall compare, 
or shall comply, it's a shall set, to where they did, I would have also have liked to have seen our corrections and our dispatch in there. Palmer says the county's jailers in particular need a raise to make their pay competitive with other counties in the area. Heidi Carter serves as County Auditor Melissa Wellhausen's representative on the Compensation Board. During discussion, Carter advocated for a larger raise for Wellhausen based on changes to Iowa code that make the auditor personally responsible for violations in election administration. If the Secretary of State issues a technical infraction against Melissa, she may also face a fine of $10,000 per incident. A technical infraction is a fine. It is not covered by county bond or liability insurance. No other elected official is subject to a personal penalty and fines from a state elected official. Following the Compensation Board's recommendation, the supervisors can choose to grant the full salary increases to elected officials, decrease the raise by equal percentages for all elected officials, or opt to give out no raise for elected officials. The Comp Board's recommendation does not affect salary increases for non-elected county employees. Those salaries are set to the discretion of the supervisors. Page County officials also finalized the county supervisors' districts and voting precincts this week. At its Tuesday morning meeting, the county's Board of Supervisors approved a redistricting and re-precincting plan taking effect for the 2022 elections. The new plans are required by law every 10 years when the new census is completed. County Auditor Melissa Wellhausen says the first part of the plan was to clean up a technicality where a small unincorporated piece of the county was surrounded on all sides by the city of Shenandoah. This is basically the agreement with Shenandoah because there's an unincorporated piece within Shenandoah. It requires the county and the city of Shenandoah to basically have an agreement stating that... Um, it's combined, the county is combining the unincorporated territory of that portion of Grant Township surrounded by the city of Shenandoah into the Shenandoah um, Ward 2. Wellhausen says the piece of land currently has no residents. The three supervisors' districts will remain largely intact following work by a temporary redistricting committee. Beth Ann Tillman is a member of the committee and says population data and state rules about redistricting did not allow for many changes. So after reviewing the information provided to us, um, it looked, uh, there were not really options to modify, well I guess there were options, but not reasonable ones um, to redistrict uh, because the districts do need to be contiguous, they are not to separate out cities um, unless of course you're in a metropolitan area where that would be a reasonable thing to do. And it, of course, met the criteria, uh, the margin of error for being divided. Well, as and says, all three districts are very similar in population. Within the populations, uh, we had a variation in District 1 of 39, a variation in District 2 of negative 24, and then a variation in District 3 of negative 14, which overall meant a variation of 1. For the county. Under the approved districts, District 1 includes most rural areas of the county, plus a small portion of Clarinda. District 2 includes Shenandoah and part of Grant Township, while District 3 includes the remaining portion of Clarinda. In other business, the board approved the assignment of a county-held tax sale certificate to Michael Morrison. Well, Thursday marked the one-year anniversary of the attack on the U.S. Capitol building in Washington, D.C. Iowa Congresswoman Cindy Axney was among the KMA Land Congressional Representatives in Washington on January 6, 2021, when supporters of then-President Donald Trump stormed the Capitol in an attempt to disrupt the electoral vote count certifying Joe Biden's election as president. 
Axney reflected on the anniversary of the attack on KMA's Morning Line program Thursday morning. It was a violent mob who attacked the Capitol with an intentional plot to overturn an election. It put lawmakers at risk, and not only did it put lawmakers at risk, it put the lives of Capitol Police officers, all those working in the area, those in the cafeteria, etc., in harm's way. It hurt their families, and it hurt their lives for the foreseeable future. The West Des Moines Democrat also reacted to the results of two polls released this week in connection with the anniversary. A new poll by the Washington Post and the University of Maryland indicated 34% of Americans think violent action against the government is sometimes justified. Plus, a CBS News poll also released this week indicated 62% of Americans said they expect violence over losing in future elections. Axney calls the poll results sobering and gut-wrenching. There's just no time in this country where Americans should believe that it's right to attempt to overthrow a government or to cause harm to their own government. It defeats the purpose of the opportunities that we can bring to the people in this country. We've got to work together. It's why we've got to make sure that we don't sweep this issue under the rug, that we continue to look for opportunity to make sure it never happens again. That's why Axney says she continues to support the efforts of a bipartisan congressional commission investigating the Capitol attack. While saying she's pleased with the January 6th commission's efforts thus far, the congresswoman says it must continue to seek the facts. Iowa lawmakers returned to the State House Monday for the 2022 Iowa General Assembly. Area legislators interviewed by KMA News this week pinpointed income tax cuts as one of the top priorities of the new session. Speaking on KMA's Morning Line program Monday morning, State Representative Dave Seek says the legislature is in prime position to enact tax cuts since the state's economy has largely weathered the COVID-19 pandemic. We experienced quite a bit of income growth being the fact that we didn't hardly shut down our economy at all. And so we have a lot of money sitting there and everybody's always wanted to do do it, but we didn't always seem to have the funds available to make any type of transition or big tax cut. State Representative Tom Moore discussed other priorities facing lawmakers. Moore says one early task is the annual setting of supplemental state aid for K-12 schools for the 2023 budget year. Moore says the biggest challenge is providing enough allowable growth funding to meet increased teacher salaries. It's going to be basically mandatory that schools provide at least a 3% increase in salaries. And so that's going to be where the conversation begins. And I know when we start talking about FICA and IPERS and insurance costs, that schools are going to be uh, asking probably for at least 3.75 to uh, up to 5% for uh, allowable increases. And so we're going to have to uh, have a, a, a real strong conversation on that. One emerging issue this session involves the use of eminent domain for projects such as Summit Carbon Solutions' CO2 pipeline proposed for portions of western Iowa. That wraps up This Week in KMA. Be listening each week at this time for This Week in KMA Land. And for more information all the time, log on to KMALand.com, where you can also hear this program in its entirety. For the entire KMA News team, this is Mike Peterson. Thanks for joining us. Have a great weekend.
This has been a presentation of KMA News.